0: Well, oh, hey, welcome to California Haunts Radio. We are on a special time today because we have a special guest coming on. I'm really excited to to invite this gentleman. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, especially now with everybody stuck home with, with the COVID, uh, you know, uh, internet bullies, uh, in, internet scams, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, months ago, we had the Scamming Scammers people on that deal with the Nigerian love scams. And... Uh, there's a lot of this going on, a lot of stuff like that. So I'm really excited to have our guest. My name is Charlotte. I'm your host. I am the owner and operator of the California Hunts Criminal Investigation Team here in Sacramento. But as everybody knows, I'm also a journalist, photojournalist. And so I like to kind of break up my scary shows with real news topics that, that, that mean something to people. And today happens to be one of those days. The other significant thing is today, you might see the image a little clear on the camera, a little different. Uh, The other computer committed suicide last week, and so I'm on my backup computer, brand new computer, and new webcam for that one, so I'm excited. So without further ado, let's get the show started. Hello.
1: Hello. How are you? Nice to have me. Thank you for having me on, Charlotte. No
0: problem. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, no problem. And hopefully all your viewers are both online and COVID safe.
0: That's it. So tell me a little bit about yourself, sir.
1: Okay, my name is Michael Nuggetelli. I work and live here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Wear my uh, Yankee cap today. Um, and I am a New York State licensed psychologist. My doctoral degree is in clinical psychology. And what we're going to be talking about today a little bit is about my concept called iPredator, which I call a dark side of cyberspace concept. IPredator. Now, you're
0: not going to hold it against me because I'm an Oakland A's fan.
1: Your local what?
0: I'm an Oakland A's fan. You're not going to hold it against me, are you? Oh,
1: okay. Well, I'm not. I used to be really into baseball, but <laughs> I just look at it. Looks.
0: I know how New Yorkers are about their Yankees.
1: Uh huh.
0: <laughs> well, um, tell me how you came up with the concept for Eye Predator.
1: Well, originally, back in 2006, I, as I said, I got my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, and I've always had a fascination with what I call the dark side of human consciousness, and religious folks would call it evil. Uh, The criminologists would call it the criminal or the worst case scenario, the psychopath. Uh And Back in 2006, I wrote a concept called dark psychology, which I call the dark side of human consciousness. It's available at the website. And then as time went on, being a forensic psychologist, working in the courts, criminal, civil, and uh, child custody cases, I began to think to myself, if I was a pedophile, if I was part of the depraved, if I was a criminal, well, where better to go than cyberspace if I wanted to maintain what I call the veil of anonymity. And then around 2008-ish is when I began to jot down the concept Called Eye Predator, where dark psychology is a dark side of human human consciousness concept. iPredator Predator is the information age dark side of human consciousness, and it includes eight types of online aggressors.
0: So, what are those eight types?
1: Oh, real quick. Cool. Okay, so oh, yeah. you've got cyberbullying, which is the pediatric uh, manifestation of Eye Predator cyberbullying occurs among children the adult forms of of cyberbullying would be cyber harassment cyber stalking and internet trolling then we have as everybody knows cyber crime cyber terrorism and then the last two which are the worst of the worst at least in my book is online child predators and online child pornography consumers and distributors and they make up the eight types of iPredator.
0: What do people, um, you know, we can start with cyber bullies and stuff, and, and then we'll go to the predators, you know, the, the child predators and stuff. What, you know,
1: how, how do they get into people's heads? <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I've been working on that, uh, as I said, for over a decade, and hopefully I'll live long enough. Uh, one of the sub-concepts of iPredator is called ODOR, and that is an acronym. Offline distress dictates online response. And what I believe, obviously, everything I've created is uh, theoretical until a the day comes where they do uh, research, hopefully to prove what I'm saying. ODOR, offline distress dictates online response, basically means... However my offline life is going, whether I'm happy, I'm sad, psychiatric, uh, whether I abuse alcohol, drugs, whether I'm under financial stress, having problems in my relationship, I truly believe my offline life, my state of, of psycho- my psychological mm-hmm. state offline, directly impacts my interpretation of what I do online. That's called the odor. So I really believe as it applies to the victim, what I call the target, if a person is discouraged, if they are stressed, if they're not happy in their life, they're more apt to go online and and not all occasions, but the more apt to go online and present themselves in that very same way. Mm -hmm. Now what walks hand in hand with odor is called the IVI and that is I predator victim intuition and what i believe semi-predators and it's on a skill set it's from novice to expert but charlotte what they can do is they can go to your social media they can go to message boards if you have a blog if you have a website if you have an internet radio show they <laughs> go on and by scrutinizing spending time observing they can ultimately conclude whether or not Charlotte is a good mark and a good target to attack. And that's based on their ability to assess a person's psychology. So that is called the IVI. And that walks hand in hand with offline distress dictates online response.
0: See, that's interesting because, because like I said before, I have the people that run scamming scammers on the on Facebook on here, and that's one thing that they talk about is that they will, you know, they, 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 they will search these profiles out, but then what they like to do is, is is get the people away from their family so that they could, they can offer
1: Certainly. And, and that's a great point, Charlotte, And because really when it comes to online child predator, obviously it occurs offline, but online as part of grooming, that is the number one task of the pedophile or the child molester is to get the child to isolate um, and obviously by doing that online and that's when the grooming process begins but to isolate a child is by far the number one priority of the online child predator
0: so how, okay so you know we we you know the, the isolation is, are they saying nice things to them you know what's being said in these conversations that entice
1: these kids Well, the the part of the grooming process, obviously it's a cornucopia of different things, but essentially if I'm looking to groom a child, um, obviously I've done my due diligence as a child predator. I, you know, my IVI, I find Mm -hmm. a child that is either angry, discouraged, uh, you know, wanton, and I begin the grooming process real easy. Charlotte, everything he or she says, the child they're correct. I encourage them. I, Anytime they want to talk about their parents, if they're upset with their parents, their teachers, their siblings, anyone, well, what do I do? I agree and I support it. And I do that over and over and over. And if this is an individual and I can pick up that their self-image, they don't feel good about themselves, of course you are incredibly attractive. Boy, Young man, you look much older than your age. You, you say you're 13. You could easily get away with being a sophomore in high school. By the way, what high school do you go to? And that's how the whole grooming begins.
0: And then what happens? Once they've got them groomed, what's the next step? I'm sorry? What's the next step once they have them groomed? That's
1: well, it depends now. The the online child predator, It's, I mean, what it comes down to ultimately is – for sexual solicitation, okay. that can occur online, that can occur offline. Now, if I am an online child pornography consumer distributor, then what I'm going to do, I'm not so interested in meeting the child offline. I am looking to try to get the child to, to behave in a sexually provocative way, either through images um, and and worst case scenario is through video and one of the things that we're seeing now one of the the biggest trends that are going on and charlotte not just for children but for adults it's called sextortion it's when an online predator uh, an eye predator Mm -hmm. is able to uh, compile sexually themed content about their target and then what they do now remember it applies to children and adults I now go to that child or that adult and I say, you know what, unless you give me more, you know, dancing, more images of you scantily clad or completely nude, I am going to send what I have right now. I'm going to send it to your job. I'm going to send it to your professors. I'm going to send it to your, to your religious organizations. I am going to expose all this sexual content about you unless one you give me more sexual content, or two, you pay me, and that is obviously sexual blackmail.
0: It is out, oh, my God, gee. Um, what can people do? I mean, the parents. I mean, they can't be on the computer twenty-four-seven with their kids. So, what can you know? What can be done from the parents' perspective to prevent this kind of thing from happening?
1: Well, prevention is. I mean, you hit the nail right in the head. I mean. We go ten years ago. Uh, goodness, is that the desktop which I'm sitting at right now? Mm-hmm. Vast majority of us sat down at a desktop, and maybe a tablet was, you know, just starting. But nowadays, with mobile device technology and the smartphone, children right. are carrying with them uh, the internet, the cy- mm-hmm. cyberspace, and you can put as many parental controls as you want. But if you don't take an active role as a parent or a primary primary caregiver, you're essentially giving the child carte blanche to do and behave as they like. And not to say that all children are going to engage in high-risk online activity, but what I believe is all parents and primary caregivers have to err to the side of caution because there are online child predators and goodness gracious, with, with the COVID and all this you know, virtual learning and children spending more and more time online, online child predators know this, and they're now spending more time online, hoping to be able to find, isolate, and target a child.
0: Is it a case that parents, like, like if the child has a Facebook account, is it a case of the parents having control of that Facebook, you know, that, that account to keep an eye on it?
1: Of course. I mean, again, we have to, it's the age of the child. I mean, obviously that's very important. Right. Senior in high school, uh, you know, that's still considered a child or a minor if they're under 18, you know, a parent can be more forthright, can talk about, you know, sexual exploitation can talk about some of the real issues, but the younger a child gets, the more a parent has to take an authoritative parenting style. There is only three types of parenting. There is permissive parenting, which is very lenient, very liberal and let the child swing from the chandelier. There is authoritarian uh, parenting, which is the other side, which is very rigid and structured and overly, uh, uh, I hate to say scolding and overly Mm -hmm. mean, but then you have the middle of the road, the authoritative parent. And that is a parent who sets boundaries but also gives the child you know time and, and the ability to express the creativity to engage in online relationships. But the younger a child is, the more important it is for a parent to actively engage and to talk about prevention education, online safety. And as we're dealing with children by far, and don't get me wrong, Charlotte, you know sexual predators are out there but presently the most important problem issue and it's growing is cyberbullying okay. and cyberbullying is child on child cyber attacks and we all of us who are here now in the information age we are the first uh, peoples <laughs> that deal with the concept of what's called cyber bully side and what cyber bully side is is when a child takes his or her life because he or she has been cyberbullied, has been targeted online. Now, we all know that most bullying occurs offline, cyberbullying occurs online, but think of this, and I'll use myself as an example. I'm in my 50s, and obviously when I was a child, there was no such thing as the internet, and I was bullied. So when I was bullied as a child, at the end, I could leave the school. I could leave the sports field. Charlotte, I could go home, and I could go. I had sanctuary. I could go to my friends, my neighborhood, my family, and it was done. Mm -hmm. Not that I felt any better, but at least I had sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Today's children, children of the information age, they're not only bullied at school, but when they leave, they are cyber bullied. And not only are they cyber bullied Monday through Friday during school hours, they are targeted 24 7, 365. So essentially, children of the information age, those that are cyber bullied, there's no escape.
0: That's true. And I was just thinking about, um, I lost the thought, but. I was just oh yes my nieces i remember um when you talk about the different way people raise people i never raised my nieces per se but i i i would get them in the summer you know mm-hmm. for a month or so and i remember even at three and four i would sit down and I'd say you know what we got to go to the park today but you got to be careful because there's par- i used to call them park people my nieces right. said this day will laugh about park people because i said you don't want to talk to park people you don't want to talk to anybody other than me park,
1: park people but
0: they're park people and so, yeah, if you, if you ask my nieces, you know, today they'll go, oh, yeah, we used to talk about park people and all this. But that's mm-hmm. that's how I had them functioning at the park, you know, that they were really observant as, as it was around them.
1: Well, I mean, when you say park, when you, I hear you say park, to me, I just think it would be great if, mm-hmm. you know, parents, primary caregivers, families, mm-hmm. begin to set the boundary with their children, say, turn it off, go outside. Because what's happening is, the more time, you know, and there's, again, I'm not a big research hound, but, right. you know, the present statistics are saying that children spend anywhere from 5 to 12, 13 hours a day online.
0: Uh-huh. Well,
1: the more time, and then you throw in online gaming, goodness uh-huh. gracious. And, you know, maybe we can talk about internet use disorder, aka internet addiction sure, sure, at a different sure. time. But children need to be encouraged and if need be told go outside because what's happened is and i don't want to get into all the the psycho babble but for me when i was a child and there was no internet well if i wanted to ask a girl on a date or if i wanted to talk to a girl Mm-hmm. I had to actually talk to her right. uh, offline, face to face. Now, don't get me wrong, I can recall that it was very stress provoking. But what I was able to learn are basic nonverbal and verbal communication skills, also called interpersonal skills dynamics. Well, today's children and some adults who are now using all the online dating, but specifically with children. Mm-hmm. They are not learning how to to converse, to interpret, how to understand the the hundreds, if not thousands, of different verbal and nonverbal cues that occur in a social relationship. They're just not learning it because everything that they're doing, they're doing it online.
0: Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And the question, and one question that comes to mind, I know the people that don't have kids or whatever. How does cyberbullying work? What do the cyberbullies do? I know, you know, because they've got outlets. There's not only Facebook. You've got YouTube where stuff can be uploaded. You've got, you know, all this other stuff. How does that work? I mean, something, you know, you see the stuff in the movies where they'll get a, an overweight little girl or something, and then they'll just start doing, you know, it embarrassing mm-hmm. stuff and all that, and all of a sudden it's all over the web. Is that how it works? I mean, it's just, it's a matter of... Uh, no, actually,
1: of one of the philosophical questions I think about all the time is, did the adults teach your children? Or did the children teach the adults? Uh, you know, and at the end of, at my website a couple of years ago, uh, I have 42 different cyberbullying tactics where different ways, uh, you know, types of cyberbullying. Most importantly, though, in relationship, and, and I'll address what you're what you're asking, but there are, are three plus types of cyberbullying related to cyberbullying, a triad. There is the cyberbully who is the offender. there is the cyberbullied who is the victim, the target, mm-hmm. and then there is the bystander. In today's uh, world, I believe for when it comes to children of the information age, a hundred percent of children either and these are the bystanders either know a target, a cyberbullied, or know a cyberbully. Bystanders are the vast majority of children who know what's going on and do nothing about it. Now, as I said earlier, that three plus, that small segment, Charlie, is what we have to encourage is called the upstander. The bystander knows about the cyberbullying, but may be too afraid to confront the cyber bully can you know go to a teacher go to adult because they're afraid they will be seen as not cool or possibly they may be targeted the upstander which is a small percentage of the bystander they do something about it they they, their self-confidence their ego they stand up and they go to a parent they go to adult and goodness gracious, some actually confront the actual bully. That's what we need to encourage is the upstander. But they—that that is an incredibly small uh, percentage of the total dynamic.
0: Is it a case of parents not realizing how quickly this can happen, how quickly it can spread?
1: Uh again i don't want to you know cast again i don't want to right. pass judgment on parents uh right. because parents are doing the best they can uh, that they can many parents uh did not grow up in the information age right. many parents grew up you know you know prior to the information age or maybe just at the beginning of when computers and social media became popular so parents uh if i were to make a if i were to make a broad statement. Most parents, as well as most professionals, even in my industry of behavioral health care, do not understand the trauma, do not understand the psychological impact of what it means to be targeted, as I said, 24-7, 365. This is no longer just bullying where the child gets beat up or gets made fun of or teased and taunted at school and comes home. Now, it's not only happened at school, it's happening when they're at home, on the weekends, during summer vacation, and also, it's called cyberbullying by proxy, that's one of the tactics, it's now when not just the cyberbully, but the cyberbully, the child manipulates other children to target the victim, that's called cyberbullying by proxy so you can imagine what that must be like for a child and the the victim charlotte oftentimes they're not going to go to a parent they're not going to go to a teacher why because they're afraid that they're going to be targeted and being you know going to be made fun of and it's not cool to snitch or to go to adults hence the bully side it's truly unfortunate
0: it is unfortunate so um, obviously, you know, like I said, they're using places like Facebook and Instagram to do this stuff. Um, how fast can it spread once it starts? I mean, you know, for the people that, that aren't Internet suave, how fast can something like that spread?
1: Well, when you say fast, I mean, it can happen within the matter of an hour. It can take days. It can take weeks. I mean... You'll read some of the, <laughs> and I know this is where I said earlier are the adults teaching the children, ch- children teaching the adults? But one tactic, cyberbullying, and this is done, and I've dealt with it with my volunteer work, where a child sets up a blog, a website, a total website targeting the child. Wow. And that entire website is then spread out and pages. And that website is used to character assassinate the child. So, I mean, that does take some time to create a website. Mm-hmm. But you can imagine how that traumatizes someone who already is feeling isolated, who's already feeling, you know, ashamed about what's going on.
0: You know, and the thing is with, with sites like that, it's human nature, anyway, to read stuff like that. You know, people like to read, you know, dark Well,
1: uh, okay. It. Look uh, at the inquirer, right? Look at the no, natural. No, uh, no, you bring up a good, cause that's part of dark psychology. It, yeah. it, and I've been asked this question is why do, do humans have a fascination with the macabre? Right. The macabre, I mean, why do we as humans, do we slow down when we pass a car wreck you know why do we love horror movies why do we love you know the study of the paranormal other than paranormal psychology which i right. love to learn about but the reason is i believe is genetically and evolutionary it's all about self-preservation so the curiosity and the interest for the macabre is not so much that we're sadistic or we're evil but the curiosity is part of being homo sapien, being human it is in one way a way for us to protect ourselves in our social system by learning about all the horrific things that are going on around us. So I don't encourage it, but I don't see it as a bad thing.
0: Right. So, you know, what I find scary, like you say, is that that's, that's how this stuff spreads you know and there's people out there that are reading this stuff and like i said that's what we do uh, you know i've done it we've all done it yes you know and it's just sad because people don't stand up and say hey this doesn't seem right
1: right that's why as it relates to children and then also i mean if you want to uh, you know generalize it to adults we need upstanders
0: mm-hmm. We need-
1: Folks, to do something about it related to cyberbullying, we need to encourage children to stand up and to go after that cyberbully, to tell somebody and not keep it a secret.
0: In your studies, in this, what have you seen? What types of, um, like the kids that are being bullied, mm-hmm. what types of reactions do they have, or, or, or what is the stuff that's being posted about them?
1: Well, I mean, when we talk about the reactions, we just talked about the sev- most severe form cyberbullicide, mm-hmm. is, you know, and that is growing, you know, in leaps and bounds. But children, when they are being targeted, they will isolate. Uh, there'll be a change in their grades. All of a sudden, they're getting sick more. They don't want to go to school. But the biggest piece, I guess, from a parental primary caregiver would be one is a change in their behavior. You know, a child can be private. Some children are introverted. Some are extroverted. Some are in between. But if you notice a change in your child's behavior, and if you notice they're being more secretive with their devices, then that should tell you that they're either being targeted (laughs) or they're a cyber bully themselves, or possibly because they've been encouraged by the online child predator uh, the child predator is going to tell them, close the door, isolate. We can't tell your parents what you and I are talking about. Okay. So if your parents found out that I'm 43 years old and you're 13, you can imagine it would be over. So if the child has a change in how they behave, that is, you know, I mean, obviously it could be other things, um, but as it relates to online safety and being cyberbullied or being targeted by a child predator, it's a change of behavior. But
0: well, what can be done? I mean, once it's on the web, it's kind of hard to get it off of the web.
1: Yes, and most people don't realize that. Everybody thinks that if you delete something, you know, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Reality is it's not, okay? Um, When we talk about cyberspace and information, okay, information, which we're living in the information age, right now, Charlotte, you and I are using information communications technology. There's only three ways that information can be managed, manipulated. We can compile information, we can disseminate information, and we can exchange information. Those are the only three things. So as it relates to both ourselves and to children, it's understanding those three aspects. It's being able to sit down with a child, obviously you have to gauge developmental appropriateness how to say it, but even for adults, um, it's understanding that any personal information you share online, even if you have your Facebook settings set to friends only, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You are opening yourself up to being targeted. And I, I've done probably about 30, 35 shows in the uh, you know uh, last, uh, I'd say, three or four months. And every single time in Charlotte, I'll say it right now, personal information, personal information, personal information. The more personal information you share online, the, the higher probability there is of you being targeted. Because what iPredators do is they just don't you know, look at your Instagram. They don't just look at your Twitter. They will take tidbits, and they will go to your Facebook profile. They'll go to your LinkedIn. They'll go to your Twitter. They'll go to your Instagram. When it comes to children, they'll go to Snapchat. If you're a big online gamer, they will find out that you're online gaming and then go to those environments, and what they do And they, you know, the good ones, they will be patient. They will get tidbits of information to be able to eventually come together so that they can target you for whatever the reason of targeting is. So the less personal information you put out there, the better off you are. Now, for celebrities, for public figures, for folks that have, you know, radio programs such as yourself, okay, it's a little bit more difficult to reduce personal information. But for those that are public figures, such as yourself, even that you do the best you can. So I recommend all your, your viewers, when you have time, is go to every one of your social media accounts and see what personal information uh, do you have available to others and get rid of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to put uh, very little personal information, no phone mm-hmm. numbers, no addresses, I'm uh, very funny about putting the location on there too,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, as far as that goes. Cause I know I, I do have a public profile, but I have to, of
1: know course, so. you, know. Doing stuff, you know, so. And, and, you know, again, if, it, if you're a public figure, a personal, your a politician, your Dr. Nutritelli, who's trying to educate folks about online safety. If you go to any of my social media accounts, I never, talk about personal information. Every other day, I post my, I'm a Navik graphic designer. Uh For the last years, every other day, I post two uh, online safety themed, uh, what are called PSA, uh, that are free for anybody to download. You will never see me. I'm not tooting my own horn, but you'll never see me talking about going on vacation, uh, engaging, getting in an argument with a girl, uh, having problems at my job. You will never see me. And I encourage all of us to never talk about that online, even if you think just your friends can see what you're talking about, because there's no way to ensure that that's what's happening. That's true. I, I agree with
0: that. Let me ask you. Um, so I don't think people realize how frequent cyber bullying happens with kids in your studies. How, how frequent is it?
1: I've heard again. I'm not a big statistics okay. guy because you hear such a vacillation is. But roughly anywhere between 40 to 70 percent of children. Um, If they haven't been cyberbullied, they know somebody who's been cyberbullied. I believe, I could be wrong, it's actually 100%. Children of the information age, if they're not cyberbullying somebody, if they're not a target of being being cyberbullied, then at a minimum, they are bystanders. They know that cyberbullying is occurring but i would venture to guess that anywhere between and i've read anywhere between 40 60 plus percent of children are concerned about getting targeted online but i don't have the accurate numbers
0: uh yeah it's not just children it's adults too
1: almost certainly um and obviously the adult forms of bullying is cyber harassment cyber stalking and internet trolling which Cyber stalking uh, is really of those three are the most dangerous because cyber stalking. All right. Which is can either be uh, online surveillance, uh, habitually, persistently, obsessively you know, contacting somebody. But the third, which is the most dangerous when it comes to cyber stalking, is the direct or indirect threats of physical harm and doing that repeatedly. So when a cyber stalker is targeting you, if he, don't get me wrong, there are Mm -hmm. sheaths, but the vast majority are still men. Mm -hmm. But when he begins to imply, if he begins to overtly say, you better, you know, Charlotte, you better check your back tires to make sure there's no nine penny nails in those tires or check your brake lines. There's that, that is the direct threat of physical harm. But then the indirect threat is where I'm not essentially coming out and verbally saying I'm going to hurt you, but I say things that creme- create tremendous fear. And when that's occurring, that's cyber stalking. Now, obviously, that can occur with children in cyberbullying. In fact, that's one of the the forty-two cyberbullying tactics. But when it comes to adults, cyber stalking is very serious and can. You know, really lead to physical assault and harm.
0: Is it true with webcams that, yeah. that they may be watching you through your uh, your computer webcam without you realizing it?
1: Uh, well, okay, <laughs> that can occur, uh, but yes. that is only in very, very extreme situations. In order for that to occur, the person, the eye predator either he has enough money or he himself is tech savvy enough to do that because you're talking about real black hat hacking to Mm -hmm. be able to do something like that. So is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? Almost zero. But it is possible, certainly.
0: Because I was going to say, you hear about that with webcams. You also hear about that with those those nanny cam things, too, that
1: people have on their babies. Of course, yes. So it, it can be done. Um, But does that mean that you don't go online, you don't use webcam, you don't do educational interviews like this? No, you get, you know, my webcam has a a little thing that I closed to hide. So when I'm not using it, I keep it closed. But people that are anxious, people that have a proclivity towards paranoia, it can actually move them to where they don't use the Internet.
0: Mm hmm. See, this is all interesting to me, you know, because I, I, I covered crime and courts for six years working for a newspaper, but I never had to cover anything involving cyber crime or anything like that because it was still too soon. You know, um, right. I remember, I'm living in my 50s too, and I remember when we were first able to actually go live video online, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's where I'm at, you know, uh, in, my, in my last job that I had. So everything has happened so quickly within the last... You know, seven, eight years. You know, to bring all this up, and that's
1: why and I think, if I may, and it's only going to continue. And yeah. the two biggest things I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll be around, is virtual reality and artificial intelligence. So we live in the information age. We can say the information age, they say, began sometime in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Official birthday of the internet is 1983. So we've only been in the information age roughly 40 45 years the future the coming century it's going to be virtual reality and artificial intelligence those are going to be the new the next uh technological aspects that hopefully those <laughs> screw up society but i mean you know i tend to look at the the glass half full as opposed to half empty but I can only imagine what artificial intelligence and virtual reality will be able to do if used for malevolent, malevolent purposes.
0: Well, let's go. Let's talk about child trafficking a little bit, too, because, you know, um, there's always the story of the parent that takes, well, all parents do it. They take their kids to school for the first time. they got them all dressed up real pretty. What do they do? They post it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing you know there's some guy looking you know there's some dude looking at it you know and, and, and the kid disappears at some point because because the parents have posted this right
1: well i mean what's happening is and again i don't have hardcore proof i mean it's right. anecdotal um for the last 10 years michelle is after working on the weekends i have volunteered offering free confidential advice and you know I, i've spoken to moms and pops attorneys and, doc, and you know, i've done it for the last decade like can't tell you how many, but it's been quite a few. But, you know, folks would be shocked to hear what's going on online. So most certainly is that if a parent is going to post online anything that they're doing with their child or any events that they're bringing, you know, their child and it's public, they got to be careful and they have to understand there are others out there not 100% definitely looking, but there's a high probability that there's those out there who takes that information and now all of a sudden shows up to that, that soccer game. okay, right. Um, right. And this is what's happening because, and it's not just parents, it's adults, it's humans, it's children. We don't understand exactly uh, really what's going on here in the information age. Um, One of the questions I had sent you to ask, we don't have to talk about it, is I believe cyberspace is an extension of human consciousness. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, Charlotte, but when I say cyberspace is an extension of human consciousness, what I believe is that what I'm doing online and as the the internet and cyberspace matures, I believe slowly and gradually, it is essentially becoming a replica or a Xerox copy of what the human brain. What created cyberspace? Cyberspace is defined as an abstract, artificial digital universe. It has billions, if not trillions of connections, the digital universe. Well, what I believe is that slowly but surely and somehow, Charlotte, I can't explain it yet, is that somehow the Internet or cyberspace is uh, matching or somehow, and I hate to use the word communicating, is communicating with the human mind. And I hate to use the word communicating because your viewers are going to think, geez, that Dr. Mike, he's nutso. (laughs) But it's the only thing, the only term I can actually come up with right now is that somehow when people go online, um, not to say, well, it's already been proven, it's called the disinhibition effect. But beyond that, there's something that's going on where it changes the psychology of what we're thinking. Now, if if we're pissed off, if we're angry, if we're full of rage, we're depressed, I believe all of that comes into play, and if you're a child, for the parents, a child that's going through puberty, that is Mm -hmm. prepubescent and going through puberty, and that time is when identity formation occurs, obviously maturity, puberty. Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that Children, as part of their identity formation, it is now directly being impacted by their online presence and their online life. I can't prove it, but Charlotte, in terms of my <laughs> volunteer work and folks that I, I, I've helped and what I've read, I, I see it happening.
0: You know, it makes sense. I, I, I wasn't asked you about it, that topic, fascinated me too. It makes sense because when, you, when it comes right down to it, all this stuff was created by, by humans and the scientists, the way scientists think, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it, I, I knew a guy in high school that I dated for years and he was really, really intelligent and they would lay it out like, like a human brain mm-hmm. as far as making the internet, because you'd have the one main channel and everything else would branch off from there. Just like the nerve endings, you know, go through the brain and all this. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, well, we'll see with, hopefully I'll be around enough where somebody does research or somebody theory, far smarter than me <laughs> is able to be able to present that. But Charlotte, I see it, I, I, I see it happening, um, particularly as it relates to my volunteer work. Uh, I mean, obviously secondary, a lot of the, the, the research that I do, but in my volunteer work, you'd be, it, it's just amazing. And it's not, Charlotte, it's not just children, it's, it's adults. And, I, and I've helped adults with PhDs, with JDs, far smarter than me, but they go online, they engage in online dating, you know, they fall in love, okay, I'm not going to go into the details, they right. fall in love with someone, not only they've never met offline, I had two in the last 10 years, where they reported they were in love with somebody they've never even seen online, on a webcam. Um So this tells me a little bit that there is a lot going on in cyberspace in terms of the relationship with our mind, uh, aspects of the brain, and what, you know, what I believe, well, what is called subjective processing, our perceptual sunglasses, um, all of that is going on. And because it's the beginning of the information age, we're at the beginning of a period of history, that is likely to last centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know so very little about it. Well, you know, it,
0: it's the key, its the keyboard warrior syndrome, because you're in your house, somebody else is wherever they're at, so you feel safe.
1: Yes, yes, the veil of anonymity, and because I feel safe, I can behave in any manner I. Yes. Thank you. I should send you a a marketing check for what you said because you just hit the nail on the head is that there is no accountability. All right. And that online users feel, as you just said, because they're in the security of their own home, they are somehow uh, divorced. They are they are not part of the reality of what's going on. And unfortunately, a lot of that is a lot of that that. I don't want to say delusion that skewed perception is true right now in this country, there is, there are no criminal statutes, legal statutes for what's called criminal defamation. That still doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of eye predator offenses, other than cybercrime, uh, online child pornography, the vast majority of online aggression goes undealt with. You, if you get targeted and trolled in Facebook and Instagram and Snap in any of these platforms, ninety percent of the time, nothing is done about it, and that is truly unfortunate.
0: Well, that's one thing I learned because I do—I don't want to—I do do work with scamming scammers sometimes. You know, I'm talking to scammers, you know, to, to do setups to, to identify, you know, to help identify them. And uh, that's one thing they talked about, where like with Facebook, and I know they will probably cut me off now, Facebook will, but what people don't realize is when they turn a scammer into Facebook, all that happens is Facebook will deactivate the account for a few days. The guy already has like like 800 aliases anyway, he's just gonna go somewhere else.
1: Yes, and, and again, not to defend the major platforms, but I understand that. So you delete this, this person, Um, You know, that profile would create another one. Um, We used to have a volunteer group. This is back when, I don't know if you recall, G+. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, I I loved G+. And we had a volunteer group. There were anywhere from 40 to 60 of us over about a five-year period called Cain, the Cyber Attack Investigation Network. And we would report child pornography, Um, you know, any type of suspecting online child grooming that was going on, but internet trolling, cyber harassment, misogyny, racism, all the nasty stuff that, you know, goes on uh, between online users, we would report them, and the vast majority, nothing was done about it. And what people, you know, rely upon is the First Amendment and freedom of speech, which Charlotte, I'm a huge advocate for freedom of speech, a First Amendment. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to in the information age, we have to relook at that because it's different. Because now in my freedom of my speech, okay, hate speech or any defamatory, any kind of stuff, slanderous stuff I say about you, um, it can end up on Google search and now you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Or now you're in therapy with your partner because he or she feels you're engaged in infidelity. So the the, the freedom of speech piece, and it, when we're talking about hate speech, to me, we have to relook at that, and people need to be held accountable.
0: How do you think that's going to happen? I mean, I know, like I said, with the work that, uh, you know, following that page on Facebook that that I follow, a lot of their um, philosophy is that. They're smart enough to figure out the original pages from these predators because some of them, some of the Nigerian guys, are really shaky to where they'll actually link their own, you know, inadvertently link their own profiles these days. Mm-hmm. And so what they'll do is they'll they'll find the profile, take the pictures, the the, the actual pictures of the scammers, and post them. That way it brings them out. Know, that way it brings it forward so people can actually
1: see what these guys look like. You think things things like that need to be done? well sure i mean again and assuming that that picture of that profile on that social media is the actual person mm-hmm. of course i mean any type of activism activism to confront you know cyber harassment internet trolling um i support now will it work i don't know but unfortunately charlotte we <laughs> we still do nothing about it are the platforms responsible yes Are we responsible? Most certainly. It is up to us, as we talked about a little bit earlier related to cyberbullying, we need to be upstanders, you know, upstanders. We need to confront these individuals. We need to do something about it. But unfortunately, a lot of it is not addressed and it falls on deaf ears. And what are, (laughs) it gets me frustrated when I talk about this, Charlotte, the vast majority of folks that I help, okay, I would say anywhere between 60 to 70%, the vast majority of them, when they call Dr. Nucitelli, they have already been to law enforcement. Some of them have been to the court systems. It's fallen on deaf ears. Most importantly, their loved ones, the family system has said to them, you're being melodramatic, You're, you're, you're crazy, maybe you need to talk to somebody, you're being hysterical, delete it, turn it off. Don't be on the Internet. Now, how is that possible to not be on the Internet? Dear God, we live in the information age Mm -hmm. and most of our livelihood is spent online. But over and over again, I hear folks calling, you know, when they call telling me that they've been told by their husband, their wife, their father, their mother. You're just blowing this out of proportion. You're being history. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is, is the victim <laughs> is being re-victimized. Hence, we call it victim shaming. And this goes on for a large percentage of the cyber attack.
0: Well, I was just thinking, um, you, know, the tech, you know, perhaps as far as these places like Facebook and Twitter and all this other thing, the technology isn't there to really every, there's just so There's just so much traffic coming through their sites. They can't check everybody, obviously. And I was just thinking about Star Trek and as, as, as far out as that is, but um, to the point that they use retinal scans and maybe the technology might get to that point and that'll simmer a lot of that down too.
1: Which would be great. But until yeah. that happens, what I believe has to be happening, you know, and I and I don't have the actual article somebody had sent to me is that Australia is looking to hold uh, social media platforms accountable. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. And then it's up to the social media platform, whatever the platform is, is to create a methodology to do something because nothing is being done about it. And it's right. your responsibility. Don't get me wrong, Charlotte. I love Facebook. I love Instagram. I love Twitter. I've got Tumblr, Pinterest. And that we is <laughs> those are my portals to educate people. Even right now we have Zoom. But when it comes to social media platforms, they have to take a more assertive, proactive role to help because if they don't, eventually uh, folks are going to go elsewhere and may, in fact, actually turn it off.
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You know, I noticed with Facebook, when you open up a business page, mm-hmm. they are run a spot check on the business name and everything, you know, and they'll either say yay or nay with it. Right. There's, there's well, another business with that name. It's a shame that that they can't do that with, pe- with, with, with people.
1: Identity, you know, yes, identity verification would be yeah. wonderful. Um, that's not being done. Um, again, there are a multitude. St- when I'm saying Charlotte <laughs> is asking if I was in front of the big six or seven is do something. Well, what do you want us to do Dr. Nugentelli? Well, let's talk about what can be done. Nothing is being done, and that needs to change quickly because as it relates to children, children are committing suicide because they're being taunted online. Mm -hmm. People are losing their jobs. People are, you know, young folks are not getting admitted to colleges, not that college admission boards are supposed to do Google searches, but they do, and when they find any type of slanderous, you know, any type of defamatory content about a potential candidate, sorry, they're crossed off. And well, this is a harsh reality.
0: I agree with you. And like we said earlier, you know, it used to be you could just go home and hide and right. it would go away. But now, no matter where you go, it's going to follow you. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could be applying for a job.
1: Ten years later, you do something stupid. Right. But, you know, and, Charlotte, you, you said earlier, and now that negative content, Okay. We go back to how we have a fascination with the macabre. Right. Well, positive content information about Dr. Nuchitelli. It's okay. But negative content, something that is salacious, uh, people are going to click on it, click on it, click on it. And what does that do? It raises the search results, Mm -hmm. the page ranking. So now you put in Michael Nuchitelli and all of a sudden, you know, first page Google, I am a blah, 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 blah. Um, that needs to change
0: well you know a perfect example of all this was the election
1: yes stuff that was coming through
0: and the trolls that would come on and bait people and people would, would would fall for the bait and each one of those posts from those trolls every time they clicked on it fall for the bait it would go up higher and higher so that when you went into the comments on these things that was the first thing you saw
1: correct I and mean, trolls, the internet trolls, is actually, you could get a, I mean, I don't, I don't think if you open it onto Indeed or Monster.com, you could get a job as an internet troll right now, mm-hmm. but there are internet trolls that are employed. They're paid to create disinformation campaigns to put, you know, to character assassinate people. And oftentimes, you know, they're politicians, they're celebrities, they're public figures. But then again, there are also those that are small business owners. They're not true. millionaires, but their competitor who lives in that same town or maybe, you know, a community over hires somebody to defame, to slander, and to character assassinate that small business. That's being done.
0: Oh, yeah. It's being done on the Elf right now. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of cases of that are on the Elf. People just don't really – you know, people – don't realize the big picture of it all. I think, you know, the, the normal person doesn't realize how much of a breach the you know the, the World Wide Web has.
1: Yeah, and in it's, and it's uh, again, it's amazing. And I, you know, I, I, have, I have people that I've helped, not only in my volunteer work, but I have associates who've been targeted. And these are, you know, very intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go to you know law enforcement, and it falls on deaf ears, where law enforcement essentially says, unless somebody has a knife to your throat, there's not much we can do. You know, and again, I, 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 I'm not uh, trashing law enforcement, mm-hmm. but we need to have some type of cyber criminal or I hate to say, eye predator elements within law enforcement so that when people go and they report something, one, they're believed, two, mm-hmm. something is done about it.
0: The thing is, though, when, when you think about that, the, the amount of manpower they would need to do something like that, I think that's what makes it prohibitive for law enforcement to really get involved with this stuff because, you know, like I, like I said, it's such a vast thing and there's probably so many people, I mean, just in my little area that I live in, there's probably maybe 10, 15 people that are being cyberbullied. You're you know, correct. and then to go to law enforcement, they'd have to do the same research we're doing, get online, and have to go through all that and trace it, and get the FBI to trace or whoever does the tracing, Homeland Security or whoever, you know, is doing that tracing. So well, I mean, it's a lot of man, man hours.
1: One of the ideas I had, not to toot my own horn or whatever, horn. And, there, and this couple of years ago, uh it's called IP 3141. Uh, Last time I checked, it's been a couple of years. There are 3,141 counties in the continental United States through federal, state, local, private funding. What I believe every county in the United States has a clinic or a facility where where folks within that, that county can drive there. They can sit down. They can present what's going on. They are listened to. They're believed, and if, it's, and if it's evidentiary enough to where they are being targeted and victimized, something is done about it. So IP 30, 3140 would not only help individuals who live in every county of the United States, but it would also have a mainframe central network to where if terrorist or cyber terrorist attacks, you know, information about that is being found out. So it would also be a great reporting mechanism. So that's an idea. Whether that'll ever be considered, I don't know.
0: That sounds. That would be a great idea. Just something to help people along. What do you say to people who um, suspect that this is going on? What, what can they do?
1: Well, first and foremost, depending when you say suspect what's going on, I mean, again, there is eight different types of online assailants, online abductions, right. but you know. Um, when it comes to the eye predator, depending on what it is, um, it is to report it. it is to go to your local police department and to report it. Now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 95% of the time when you report it, they're going to look at you. They're going to roll their eyes and they're like, Oh my goodness. You know? Mm -hmm. And I, and again, please understand, Cheryl, I'm not putting down law enforcement. I support the blue. Um, But they are not uh, trained, they are not equipped, and they're certainly not staffed to deal with eye predator or attacks. So the most important thing is, at a minimum, no, they are almost likely going to minimize it, unless it's child pornography. Um, They're going to minimize it, but what you want is to leave with a document, a complaint, so that it was filed. And what you begin to do, and unfortunately, there isn't a smoking gun, Charlotte, is to begin to create a profile or a dossier, in hopes okay. that a time comes that the eye predator is going to slip up and do something truly illegal, whether it's against you, a loved one, or somebody else. That you now have evidence, because that is the biggest. That is the biggest piece. That law enforcement and the court system say, what is your evidence?
0: I was just thinking that when you were saying that, you know, like um, taking screenshots, you know, when you're having these conversations with these people, make, you know, like, I don't know if this, you know, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. You know, take, take, taking screenshots, taking screenshots of, of, of any conversations you have with them that are just yes. in, stuff like that
1: but it's also knowing if you're again you know if you're practicing online safety if you're not disseminating exchanging compiling personal information right. again you know hindsight's twenty twenty. you should have a lower probability of that but it's understanding that the law enforcement and the court systems are looking for evidence so if you're going to compile information you don't want to walk into your local police department or talk to your court clerk or a local clerk with 500 pages of documents. You want to have it in between three and five pages, all bullet point. Number two, it's understanding that law enforcement and the court system are probably going to poo poo it. They're going to minimize it and they're going to say our hands are tied. Okay. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean, you know, that you've lost. But what it mm-hmm. means is our society is not dealing with what it means to be cyber attacked.
0: Another question I had real quick, too. Um, you know, look, the, the standard places people hang out are Facebook. You know, you've got Instagram. you got Twitter. You know, like you say, there's, the, there's a few others. But it's... It, it, is a sign, you know, like when you go and see your kid's computer and you realize that there's something else lo- loaded on there, like Cloud Hub or one of these other, like, meeting sites that, that that isn't the norm? You know, would that be something to look into?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I believe I, I, I disseminated a, a, one of my silly images is that in our proverbial Rolodex, we all used to have our doctor, or our accountant, our dentist, our veterinarian if we have pets. Now what you need to have in that proverbial Rolodex is a information security professional or a digital forensic professional. Mm-hmm. Or the shift is now being called a, uh, a certified ethical hacker. That's mm-hmm. a can who get certified here in the United States. It would be an ethical hacker to where somebody that you can drive to in your community to where you can sit down and not only get educated about yourself, but also get help if something gets, if you get targeted.
0: Well, that's the thing. And, and people don't realize too, just like with the romance scammers that are out there, uh-huh. they want to lure you away from Facebook. Of course. They want to lure you away from the mainline stuff. They want to put you isolate. in their chest. Yeah. yeah. In their that, chat
1: rooms. That is the, the eye predator's primary goal. Again, obviously more so with children, but with right. a, is to isolate. And the more they can isolate you, the more power and the more control they have in terms of manipulating you to engaging in whatever their, their nefarious, uh, you know, fantasies are.
0: Well, that's, the, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make was when you get on your kid's computer and you're looking through there and you realize that they're on some other chat room other than Facebook. Correct. That could be, that could be an alarm going off in your head going, hey, well, why, why are you over here and you're not on Facebook? Right. Yeah. You know
1: this hour blue by. Oh, well I guess that's a good thing. I mean we talking was about yeah, this, dark. We talking, talking about dark stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, again, this is my passion. So I can sit and I can talk about the psychopath, you know, what's actually one of the pages on my website, the online psychopath. But it's important and if I just may say I know where it is that everything at my website, ipredator.org.net or .co no m after the the CEO. Oh, thank you. Wow. Check you out putting that up. Everything on my website, all the content, all the images, everything is public domain. It's free. It's educational. Anything you print out, you download, you don't even have to give an email address. I mean, it'd be nice if you give me attribution and maybe share the link, but I don't do any type of tracking. So everything is free in public domain, and, again, you don't have to attribute me at all.
0: Before you go, you, you raised something about the psychopaths online. Let's talk about that. <laughs> you got my interest now. See, yeah. it goes back to that.
1: Well, like if, for, your, yeah. for, your, uh, for your viewers, when, when they're done, you know, if they go to the website under concepts, you okay. will see online psychopaths. Uh, Years ago, as a forensic psychologist, and for anybody who studies criminal psychology, criminology, serial homicide, the true dark deviance, all of you know about Robert Hare. And Robert Hare, Dr. Robert Hare, is the father of psychopathy. And years ago, I went up to Toronto, uh, Canada. Uh, not to get certified, but to learn, I took their training in the Psychopathic Deviant Scale, which is what uh, Dr. Hare did. Was able to come up with a variety of different, you know, behaviors, uh, observations. So blah, blah 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 about the psychopath. So what I did was, is I took Dr. Hare's psychote- Psychopathic Deviant Scale, as well as my own research and knowledge as a forensic psychologist. And I converted it from psychopath to online psychopath. Because what it comes down to, Charlotte, the (laughs) psychopath, and none of us, none of us can truly, and this is what fascinates me, understand what it's like to be a psychopath. Charlotte, they do not feel guilt. They do not feel shame. They feel no remorse. So when they look at us mere mortals, obviously they're incredibly narcissistic, But the psychopath looks at us as objects. We are objects to be manipulated. And no matter what they do to us, they have no remorse. If anything, they look at it and they say, Dr. Nooch, you deserved it. You're too ignorant enough to understand what really is going on. So the online psychopath is a whole bunch of different behavioral, perceptual, cognitive and effective ways that if you're online and you're dealing with somebody, uh, you use the checklist to say maybe you're dealing with a psychopath. And real quickly, when it comes to the psychopath, the vast majority of psychopaths, now we have disorganized psychopaths, we have organized psychopaths, and we have those that are in the middle. But most of them are going to present as the most wonderful, charitable, uh, affable people you'll ever want to meet. But within six to 12 months, after maybe you've developed feelings for him or her, well, mostly him, but hers, there are uh, female psychopaths, that is when you'll begin to see the seedy underbelly of the psychopath. And as you'll see in the online psychopath checklist, I have... um, I'm dating myself, but in 1991 there was a movie called *Silence of the Lambs*, yeah. um, which was an incredible movie. I, for those of you who have never seen it, um, you know Anthony Anthony Hopkins. I always forget the celebrity's name. *Silence of the Lambs*. So he was an MD psychiatrist, the the antagonist, uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. There's actually a, a TV show I've never watched, but Hannibal Lecter was a brilliant, high IQ Serial killer. All right. Well, for the online psychopath, I call them the doctors. I predipath. They are psychopaths that are brilliant, they are affable, they are socially adept, and most importantly, they are expert and tech savvy. So not only are they good at hacking, they are good at IVI. They are good at manipulating technology, even if it means, as you said earlier, going into your webcam, the doctus ipratopath, which is the Mm -hmm. smallest, the most advanced of the psychopath, we have yet to see the true, uh, well, we'll see, hopefully I'm wrong, but there's always been psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always been serial homicide. Now, living in cyberspace, where else is the psychopath going to go? <laughs> the same place that a criminal will go is cyberspace mm-hmm. because they have the veil of anonymity.
0: Interesting. I was thinking about, you say psychopath, I was thinking about the sociopaths, too.
1: Well, some people, I mean... It, yeah,
0: like you say, the charming people. ones, real charm, yeah.
1: Yeah, some people subscribe to the notion that the sociopath and the psychopath are different, which is cool to me. I see it, the the sociopath, I see it as just the psychopath. And I see it on a a continuum of being socially affable. Um, So what we see as the sociopath, they tend to be the To me, okay, the psychopaths that are just very charming are very, you know, interpersonally skilled at talking to people. That's what I see, you know. But however you call them sociopath, psychopath, however you want to define it, no remorse, no guilt and no shame. And that is what's amazing about them.
0: My gosh, thank you so much for coming on. I learned so much from you. Thank and, talking you. About it. and it's something that needs to be put out there because it's happening all the time. You know, you're true. forever reading newspaper articles about some poor kid that and they're committing suicide over this stuff for being bullied. It's, it's just awful. And people don't realize the extent. Like, like, like we said earlier, you just can't delete these accounts. You can't go on and delete each video because there's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy something similar. Correct. And you cannot, you know, there's no place to run from with this stuff. So I'm so happy you came on. I would love to have you on a, on a future show.
1: Again, I and thank you.
0: To talk about this stuff if you're willing. But um thank you so much. And uh show everybody your website again so they can check it out.
1: Okay, it's uh, you're gonna show that it's ipredator.org.net or dot co no m boy that looks good. Thank you for doing that, Charlotte.
0: No problem, no problem. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for coming on. I really like I said, I really appreciate it. I would love to have you on again, you know, maybe next month, the month after. and Talk some more about this stuff because there's a lot of it going yeah. on and it needs to be out there.
1: There's plenty for us to talk about. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Okay, guys. Well, that was a great show. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Uh, looking to Wednesday, we're going to be out at 6 p.m. Pacific time, Wednesday, and we're going to be talking. Now we're going back to paranormal. We're going to be talking about time slips and And and, and openings in the sky and stuff like that with, 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 with my guest. So look out for that, and I will see you on Wednesday. Have a good night, guys.